When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Blue Jays still leading the Orioles 2-1, now in the bottom of the seventh. Jay Happ went six innings for the Blue Jays, allowed five hits, one run, three walks. He struck out nine, 104 pitches for Happ. Pretty good outing. We'll see if the Blue Jays can hold on to that lead. No hockey, of course, no NHL hockey until Wednesday when the playoffs start. We're also breaking down the uh, Oilers' season. You can get more on 630Ched.com. We'll get to some more clips from uh, McClellan and a couple players as we move along through the final hour of the show. And, of course, unfortunately, the story dominating news in Canada and uh, I'm sure discussion for a lot of you, the tragedy with the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Fifteen people killed in that crash. Obviously, several players, a couple of coaches, and also uh, the, uh, the play-by-play voice for the uh, Humboldt Broncos, a young man by the name of Tyler Bieber. And I'm pleased to welcome Kent Ridley to the show, who knew Tyler very well. Kent, thanks a lot for coming on tonight. Obviously, uh, this isn't the circumstance that uh, you probably ever thought you'd be be talking about, but I appreciate your time. Uh, Let's just start at the beginning, Kent. Maybe just give us some context of of how you got to know Tyler over the years. Oh, sure. Um, And and first off, you know, thanks for having me on. Uh, It's uh, I've had the chance to talk to you know several outlets here uh, lately, and and I'm I'm honored to to be able to speak on uh, on Tyler's behalf. Uh, really, um, a great individual. Um, in the time since the accident, there I've spent quite a bit of it thinking back and going through kind of you know where our beginning points were, and you know I I, I knew Tyler for. Um, you know, probably 12, 13 years. Um, mostly started with football. Uh, that was kind of our, our big connection point, and uh, that culminated into uh, working with, um, you know, creating a CFL uh, draft guide and putting more focus on on the draft and the incoming players. And uh, so that was a lot of, you know, kind of where, where we started. But uh, uh, Tyler was involved with football camps that I was – a part of and um you know got to know him really well over the over the last uh you know that 12 13 year time period well and obviously he was he was doing play-by-play for hockey but uh you know in sports broadcasting so probably a pretty well-rounded sports fan and obviously huge into football can you just tell us what what football meant to his life and and some of the things he was pursuing there because i believe he was coaching in humboldt as well wasn't he he was, yeah. He, he coached uh, with the high school football team as well as the basketball team there. 
um, and uh, and filled in in other age groups, uh, you know, beyond just high school sports. Uh, he really had a passion with, you know, the grassroots and, and developing, you know, the next the next group of players. Um, and that was, you know, one of those items that we really, you know, bonded over, that uh, it wasn't just about the group that's now, it's the group that's coming. And, uh, and he took that on, you know, full-fledged. Um, he was he was very active in the community. He coached community teams, the school teams, um, and so yeah. I mean, I know that uh, you know hockey through the winter becomes such a a major focal point, uh, but uh, but Tyler was involved all all over the place uh, with football. You know, we we would constantly uh, you know game days you know be breaking things down uh, stats wise and and uh, kind of reviewing, you know, how things went. Uh, he really had a knack for being able to analyze stats and, uh, and, and predict patterns, you know, using the numbers and, and the previous, you know, the previous week's numbers to know, uh, kind of forecast the next thing. And um, it, it was fantastic to work with him. Ken Ridley joining us on Inside Sports with some memories of Tyler Bieber, who was killed in the Humboldt Broncos bus crash. Tyler was 29 years of age doing play-by-play for the the Broncos. Uh, I mean, uh, away from, uh, I'm sure if you knew him for 12, 13 years, like you said, uh, away from talking about sports. Uh, so what was Tyler's personality like? Uh, you know, tell us a little bit about his uh his his drive and his passion for life and and some of the things that made him tick. Oh sure, you you can't uh, you can't have a memory of, of Tyler without knowing how uh, how gracious he was. Uh, he was so generous with his time. Uh, you know, if you needed someone to you know help with setup or take down on on any number of events, uh, he was always willing to be involved. Uh, you know, just just a great individual that you could trust and, and lean on. And, um, you know, we, we talked, you know, a lot of sports, of course, but, uh, we also talked a lot of life and, um, you know, just a, just a great individual, you know, one of those ones that, um, you know, you, you always wanted to hang around with more, um, uh, you know, just those kind of personalities, whether he, he was one of the kindest guys you'll ever meet. Uh, he, and, and so generous with his time. And when it came to, to running into him, you know, a year down the road, it felt like it, it had been last weekend instead of last year, the last time you talked. Yeah, well said. Kent, uh, I mean, obviously you're, uh, you're involved with, with amateur sports and hockey, football, baseball, basketball, soccer, you know, college, junior, high school. We'll pick an age group. Uh, bus travel is uh is a reality so just you know when you and i know Connor mcdavid of the edmonton Oilers says that said the bus is, is supposed to be a haven you get on that bus and you don't mm. think about something bad happen you think about uh having a nap or watching a movie or joking around with your teammates or, or playing a game so i mean just from that sense and your perspective of probably some of those experience you've you've shared with with players and other coaches uh you know probably uh you know, it's probably kind of kind of shatters some things for you, doesn't it? You know, it it, it really really can. Um, you know, especially 
especially in Western Canada where the, the distances are, you know, maybe a little bit larger than in some other parts of, you know, Canada and North America. Um, you know, I, I grew up and, and worked with a, with a college basketball team myself and, you know, you got six and seven hour bus rides trying to get to the, to your game for the weekend and, um, you know, you looked forward to those. Uh, you look forward to the moments on the bus, you know, almost as much as you did for the game sometimes. Um, and and just, you know, that feeling after a game, you know, the you, you could tell the mood. Uh, the mood would just be so prevalent that uh, you didn't have to ask anybody who won. You you could tell just by just by stepping on the bus. You, you knew already where things were at. Um, but it, you know, it wouldn't take long and things would go back to, you know, kind of some kind of normal. And as people, you know, thought through the game and, uh, you know, just kind of those friendships that were formed there would, would, will always be there. They'll be there forever. Uh, you know, the people that, that I rode the bus with in high school and, and college, and that's, you know, 20, 25 years ago. They're easily the ones that you reach out to whenever something happens. Um, those are the ones that you still remember, and uh, just so many, so many memories from trips like that. Kent Ridley joining us with some memories of Tyler Bieber, Humboldt Broncos play-by-play voice, who unfortunately was killed in the crash. And you're obviously talking a lot about uh, Tyler's ties to, to football. Um, football in Saskatchewan. <laughs> so Tyler was. Uh, what was a part of that? Uh, what, just what did that mean to him? I, I mean, I, I know he was coaching high school, but uh, the riders there and the passion for the CFL, and you mentioned him doing draft stuff, and I'm sure people were loving to read his stuff about the next one, maybe the next Rough Rider and all that. Uh, he, he was really tied into the, the pulse of Rider Nation, I guess you could say. You know, he sure was. Um, but I think people across the league really respected his opinions you know he uh you know he worked hard to not have that uh, that stigma that oh you're from saskatchewan so it's only riders <laughs> uh you know of course you know th- it's such a huge aspect to that that province and anytime you run a football camp in, in saskatchewan it, it's a rare occurrence to see another team's you know t-shirts or hats or hoodies or uh, any of those kind of logos, it's very rare to see that stuff. But, uh, you know, he worked hard to be not just, you know, another guy from Saskatchewan, but to be a guy that the whole country would respect for his opinion. Um, and, uh, you know, he did such a great job of it, to be honest. Uh, and, you know, part of what we worked on in the early years was trying to create formulas that were able to have a, an opinion and, and remove bias because you always have bias and um, you know it, it's just you know part of your your makeup um, that you're going to lean towards something you know either a childhood team or a you know a certain individual and uh, especially when it came to draft you know there's some players that you're you're just drawn to you know they're charismatic and and it, it, it you're just drawn there so uh, together myself and Tyler and we were constantly tweaking the formula but trying to find ways to to remove any personal 
bias or connection to the certain players or teams or anything. And, uh, you know, he did a great job with that. Um, his staff uh, analyst work there was, was ahead of its time, definitely. Yeah, great stuff. Well, Kent, again, we appreciate you coming on. Uh, you know, you know, it's it, it's it's obviously so tragic, and 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 obviously, um, you know, you you hear about some of the people that lost their lives, and, and you wish you could have heard these stories or got to know them while they were still with us. But but thanks for shining mm-hmm. some light on on uh, Tyler. Obviously, a passionate young man left us far too soon. Thanks for coming on tonight. Oh, you're so welcome. Anytime. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. Strange year for the Oilers' penalty killing. Last in the NHL for most of the season, they pulled themselves up to 26th. They were just under 91% after February 12th. That was the best mark in the league during that time frame. Talbot was talking yesterday about the improved PK. Yeah, we changed uh, a little bit after uh, some of those games, whether it be the, the four checker, um, how we pressure and stuff like that. And I think that once we, we got the hang of that and everyone bought in, um, we were able to pressure a little bit more. We were able to get clears. The other team wasn't gaining the line as easily. And uh, we weren't playing in our zone and, and playing tired as much. So I think that was a big part of it. And uh, once we made those tweaks, you could see how, how effective we could be. So hopefully we can carry that moving forward. All right, that is Cam Talbot. Uh, you can get more on the Oilers season wrap-up on 630Ched.com. We'll touch on more as well in the final half hour of the show between 7.30 and 8. Uh, this half hour, the focus, the tragedy in Humboldt. And uh, one of our friends, Sportsnet's Gene Principe, checks in now. Gene, welcome back to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing okay, Reed. How are you? Well, doing okay. I, pr- I appreciate you checking in tonight. I know you're, you're on your way back from, uh, from Humboldt and uh, obviously... Uh, an unexpected assignment for you, and one uh, obviously we wish you didn't have to run out there and, and, and cover. But uh, Gene, just give us your firsthand sense of being in that community because there's just so many emotions going around right now. Yeah, you know, I think Reed, it it, uh, it, it was strange because Saturday morning I get up and, like you, uh, I'm prepared to cover the final game of the regular season, final game of Lucidine's career, and then suddenly. Um, you get a phone call and you're on the highway uh, with my cameraman or our sportsman cameraman, Corey Blaschel, driving. And I must say the five hours of the drive, uh, I guess, thanks or no thanks to social media, uh, it really started to to sort of feel like, boy, oh boy, this is, this is a big deal. And not only what happened, but I guess the reaction to what happen and then you you get there and it it's just crushing i mean we're not used to covering things like this this is not, this is why we got into sports i think reed one of the reasons we love sports and we don't want to be covering or chasing or asking people uh difficult questions at the most difficult time of their lives so uh, it, it, you know, but having said that, it was amazing to be in the area. I, I, I don't know if I've ever had more people thank me, thank our network, as I'm sure other media were thanked for being there, for telling their story, for talking about people, for talking about players, and just trying to get the message out that while this is a tragedy, uh, there are people, there are personalities, there are names that go along with 
the numbers of the faces that we slowly but surely heard about as the information trickled out. Well, and Todd McClellan spoke this morning, and, and well, and he also talked about it a, a couple of days ago, and, and he's pretty shaken up, uh, but he said he know that those are those are strong communities, and he used the term, you know, hockey strong today, and that, and that strength that everybody is, is going to continue to need. And, and, and I guess the thing is, Gene, I mean, you're there for a couple of days. It's going to get a lot of attention, but as we know from the way the swift current crash is still, talked about you know unfortunately this is this is going to linger for a long time it's it's never going to go away you're 100 percent right and uh you know we saw uh, four of the survivors of that swift current broncos crash bob wilkie and peter silverlack darren krueger and sheldon kennedy who who came to visit uh, the victims the casualties their families their friends their billet families uh is incredible you know to just you know to see these guys and i'm sure their memories not that they've ever faded but they certainly come flooding back even stronger when you are meeting with these teenage boys uh, knowing that you were once them you know 30 plus years ago uh you know i i think what's changed in the world is how we cover things and how people handle things and, you know, the Prime Minister came by, uh, you mentioned Todd McClellan, Glenn Gullinson. You know, Todd uh, had a, a friend say, are you going? Okay, I'm flying you there. Uh, so he went, flew, picked up Glenn in Calgary, Calgary, Saskatoon, uh, bearing gifts, uh, the Broncos, the Prime Minister. I mean, everybody's just, uh, you know, coming together to, to, to do, even if it's a 0.01%, uh, if you add it all up, hopefully you make it 1% or 5% or 10% uh, better. And maybe the hardest part was today, uh, Corey and I uh, interviewed the father of uh, one of the boys, Evan Thomas, and listen, I got a, I got a 15, 17, 19-year-old, and Honestly, Reed, if it was one of my kids, I don't know if I could get myself out of bed, uh, let alone be up, be mobile, be talking. But I, I think that some of these people now, uh, a lot of the parents are in their, their 40s, maybe their 50s, and they've grown up in, in this age that we're growing up in where people tend to share information more. And for them, it's therapeutic. They're, they want to talk. They want to talk about their son. They want to talk about what he was like. They don't want to keep it all in and just have friends and family know who Evan Thomas was or Adam Carroll. You know, you pick one of those young men or the coaches. I mean, they want people to know these people were. Yeah. Gene, it's very well said. I, I mean, uh, I know I can hear the emotion in your voice from from you being there for a couple of days, and and I appreciate your perspective as well. I know I'll be uh, I'll be seeing you around the rink soon, buddy. Thanks so much for checking in tonight and safe travels. Thank you, Ray. That is Gene Principe from Sportsnet. He was in Humboldt for the last couple of days covering the tragedy, obviously the the vigil last night. I mean, there are a lot of uh, stories about this. We obviously know the misidentified uh, body story. I'm not, I'm not going to get into all that. I mean, I, I think we can... You've all been following along on your own, but the thanks to Kent Ridley for coming on for some memories of Tyler Bieber, who was the Broncos play-by-play voice, and Gene obviously giving some perspective on what it was like to be in that community. It's it's very sad, as Gene touched on. And, and as Todd McClellan... Uh, I mean, Todd McClellan had tears in his eyes mentioning coaching in Swift Current 
on on Saturday he coached there from 94 to 2000 I mean the 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 bus crash was in 1986 he he went there eight years after it happened it still resonates in that community over 30 years later it still resonates in that community and and sadly you know the city of Humboldt that's going to be Something it's associated with, but as Tom McClellan said, those people are hockey strong, uh, a lot of strong people in this country, and uh, everybody will endure. Inside Sports on Chet. Hi, this is Ryan Eugene Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chet. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It's 733 Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630. Chet, our next live sports broadcast will be in probably a little over a month. We will bring you the Stanley Cup Conference Finals and the Stanley Cup Final here on 630. Chet, and Dustin, do you have it on the big board yet? May 27th. Not yet. Not yet. It'll be up there soon. May 27th will be our first Eskimos broadcast preseason game against the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Season starting earlier this year. It will now take 21 weeks to play the 18-game schedule for each team. Commissioner Randy Ambrosi deciding to add a third bye week for each team. A little more rest, hopefully helping with uh, player safety and recovery and all that kind of stuff. Going to be exciting to bring you an Eskimos season right here on 630. Chad, Dave Campbell and Morley Scott will once again be your play-by-play and color voices, and Blake Dermott will be the Inside the Game analyst. My name is Reed Wilkins. It is Inside Sports. Some guests on the show get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down South comfort food to Edmonton with Southern Classics and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. That is some good chicken. So just a couple more Oilers things I want to get to here. Because there's so much talk about, and look, rightfully so. I'm not debating that there there should be this talk, but about speed, 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 speed. Absolutely, yes, absolutely. Got to have speed. You know what else you got to have? You got to have a goalie. You got to have finish around the net. You got to have guys who can body check and protect the puck. Were the Oilers fast enough? Here's Leon Dreisaitl. I think when we play our game, we're a fast team. Uh, we might not have the fastest player, um, fastest players in the world, but, um, you know, I think when we play our game and we're on top of our game, we're a very fast team and we're, we're, we're tough to beat. Um, the problem is we didn't do that enough this year, and, and um, you know, there's no excuses for that, really. And, and, and that's, to me, another big debate that I think we're going to have over the summer, and, we, and we've had it throughout the year as well. There's, there can be, and there often is, a difference between skating fast and playing fast. And that's what I was getting to with Milan Lucic. He's not going to become a faster skater, or at least not a much faster skater. I mean, it's going to be marginal at best. But he can play faster, and I, and I think a lot of the Oilers can play faster. And, and a lot of times they were a very sloppy, uninspired team throughout the season. And, and that led to them not playing fast and not getting pucks up ice and not snapping passes and fooling around with the puck and playing with doubt and playing with hesitation. So while it may help to add players with foot speed into the lineup, and I do think the Oilers need that, those players are going to have to have some other 
some other sort of an effective skill set. And the one guy I've talked about in this regard is Pontus Abrick. The young man can skate. He was also scratched for the last two games of the season. And uh, I don't really ever think I thought to myself, I wonder if you did. Oh, gee, I wonder where Pontus Aberg is tonight. I sure wish we had him in the lineup. Now, I'm not, like, I'm not dis... Well, I guess I am being negative about the guy, but I'm not trying to disparage him unfairly or throw him under the bus. I'm just saying there's a fast player who's going to have to learn to make an impact on the game in another way. And also be able to do the whole thing about processing the game and knowing where to put the puck. I mean, here's the thing, and, and this is a guy we only saw in a small window and that is Ty Ratty. And he's going to have to work hard over the summer. He's going to have to make sure he trains like an NHLer, whether he gets a contract with the Oilers or not. But he showed that, hey, maybe he can contribute at the NHL level. I, I wouldn't say Ty Ratty skates really fast, but when he was on the ice, and yes, he was with two very good players, but he was able to make quick plays and get the puck to where it should be quickly by reading plays, by understanding, by positioning. Now, some of that just comes with experience. And maybe a guy like Aberg or Puglia-Yarvi in six months, a year, a year and a half, they're going to look really fast because they've figured some things out. So that that's what I'm going to look to for the Oilers as well. You know, and, and here's, a, here's, a, here's another great example. Here's, here's another great example about playing fast. And I'm going to use the other team in this town that we talk about a lot. The 2015 Edmonton Eskimos won the Grey Cup and they played fast because Chris Jones coached them to play fast, to play quickly, to get up, to you know get back in the huddle, get quick to the line, do things quickly, get off the ball, hand it off quickly, attack the hole quickly, Riley make your reads quickly, deliver the ball quickly. So nobody on that team in 2015 got physically faster, but they made decisions faster and they gained experience and they understood what they were doing and they executed it. So that's that's what I wonder about the Oilers. Who a, of course I wonder who they're going to add. And of course I believe my goodness it'd be nice to have a couple quicker wingers to help get pucks out and all that kind of stuff. But can they get back to, some key players get back to playing quicker like they did in 16-17? Todd McClellan today was asked if they have a fast enough roster. Well, I've never, I've never talked about our team not being made the way we need to be played. Um, never once have I brought that up. I've talked about elements that our team needs to do better. And, uh, you know, that would be pace. Uh, there's a very good chance we are built the right way with the players that we have. It's just getting them to do it. And there's no doubt that the, the, team, that the teams in the league that are having success now play at a very high pace. But I've said numerous times throughout the year, that's not just skating. And when you have 22, 23 to 30-year-old players, uh, some of them are at the max that they're gonna, going to get to. They can go to skating school all they want over the summer. They're only going to play at a certain pace or speed through their legs. Uh, the, the pace of the game is going to come through their passing skills, their receiving skills, their anticipation skills, their confidence level, uh, the ability that their teammate has to do to deliver the puck at the right time. Um, so it's not just putting the skates on and let's skate faster. It's executing faster. It's reading quicker. 
our team has to get better at that. And uh, the pieces may very, very well be in there. We have to challenge them and approach it a certain way to get more out of them. And, and Todd said he's used the phrase a lot this season. You got to arrive on time, right? Are you going to be at the net in the right spot on time for someone to get you the puck, or are you going to deliver the puck on time? And the Oilers didn't do that. There, there was, there was too much dawdling, and. You know, other teams, quite frankly, checked harder than the Oilers most nights. So you're not getting the passes to where you want them to go. You're not winning as many puck battles. And they weren't able to make the puck. Here's another cliche, but they weren't able to make the puck do the work for them enough. So that's that's a kind of a long-winded way of uh, getting around the speed issue for the Oilers. And they could use more speed. Of course they could. But it has to be speed with at least one other skill set. And I, I don't believe that players like Milan Lucic are irrelevant. I, I really don't. I mean, you can't have 12, 12 of them as your forwards. But I... I, I, what do we appreciate about hockey? You know, the, the puck battles, the grinding, the digging in the corners. Size and aggression and the willingness to engage in some of the nastier parts of the game, I believe, will always be relevant. Or if they are being weeded out of the game, I still think it's going to be a long time before they're totally out of the game. Just some of my thoughts on that. Text to 63630. Reed, do you think Todd lost the dressing room? I don't think he did. Uh, I I know I know that's a common question. Well, teams lose. Well, the coach lost the room. To me, that's another one of those cliches we throw around sometimes without thinking about exactly what it means. I think the players were still listening to Todd. I, I think that's evident in how they improved on the penalty kill down the stretch. Um, the team still went, I think, 13-12-2 over its last 27 games, which isn't a great record, which isn't a playoff pace. But to me, if the they totally give up on the coach, they're going 7-20. and 20 down the stretch. I still believe Todd McClellan is a very good coach. Um, I, I'm sure he, he didn't really elaborate today, but I'm sure he's looking past the back on parts of the season and thinking, man, I wonder if I should have done that. I wonder if I was too hard or should have approached that a little differently. I, I know he was I, I know he was really upset after they started one and two and, and, and Dreisaitl missed some of those games with whatever happened. So you know, maybe that created some some tension in the room and and didn't help them deal with a, an early uh, tribulation of not living up to expectations. But but no, I don't believe Todd McClellan lost the room. It is seven forty three. We're gonna have some fun in the next segment of the show. My old boss is gonna join us from Lloydminster, and uh, hey, the Allen Cup is underway. We'll have some stories. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. Blue Jays still leading the Orioles 2-1 in the top of the ninth. NHL playoffs start on Wednesday. Hey, one of my favorite tournaments used to cover it when I worked in Lloydminster, the Allen Cup underway in Rosetown today. The Lacombe Generals are representing Alberta. They will play the host team tomorrow night. Uh, a guy who knows all about the Allen Cup as well. My old sports director at the station in Lloydminster, former general manager of the senior AAA Lloydminster Border Kings, Greg Buchanan. Greg, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Great, not too bad. How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I wanted to have you on the show because whenever it's Allen Cup week, I remember back to... 
2000, about a month after you and I started working together, you were kind enough to hire me in Lloydminster. Uh, we yeah. covered an Allen Cup together. And then in 2005, uh, I covered one, and you pretty much organized uh, one of the biggest ones ever when, <laughs> when Theo Fleury and Horse Lake uh, rolled into town. You know, and I, and I think about it being in Rosetown uh, this week in, in a relatively small town in Saskatchewan and uh, just how they rally around their, their senior AAA teams. Yeah, you know what, and and I think in Lloydminster we've had a few Allen Cups here, and, and unfortunately with the, the Border Kings right now, they don't have a team, and I, and I don't really know when the Border Kings will be reborn again. But uh, there were some great memories and some great times, and I like to kind of think that the Border Kings kind of helped put a little bit of hockey back on the map in Lloydminster, and uh, a lot of things that came out of that the Allen Cups, not just victories, but a lot of great memories and, and a lot of things that we did in the community during that time too that we raised funds for that uh, we donated to a number of different charities you know the uh the, the 2000 event powell river one just you and i covered that that was the one where uh do you remember, do you remember the saint george garaga the quebec team that was yeah. named after a garage door company remember one of their players body checked the ref and got thrown out of the tournament yeah, I remember that. It was I never seen that before, and and it was it was a nice clean hit. It's just <laughs> un- official, so yeah, wrong guy. And then uh, yeah. in, in two thousand five. I mean that was uh, I, I don't know how you look back on that buck it's, it's, been, it's been a long time now but that's still one of my most vivid memories from my career A because you know what's like you're working basically 18-19 hours a day you know you're at the rink yeah. you're doing TV sports cast you're doing radio reports and then there was you know the, the hype around Horse Lake and I always thought I, I'm curious how you remember because you were you were basically an organizer plus a GM of the Border Kings who one of the rival teams I, I always thought they, they could have come in there as 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 you know sort of the 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 favorites but with a bit of humility but i always thought they they embraced the black hat role they they wound up being the villains of the tournament i thought yeah they totally did that you know what and i, I know talking to theo flurry years after that and and that he wasn't in a good state at that time and he admits to it um but yeah they came in and and, and it, was, it was a perfect storm for the tournament because it was the NHL lockout, uh, the the hype there was there was TSN was here covering it, and and typically TSN now only shows up on the final day and covers the, the national final. But it, there was so much hype in seeing all the reporters and newspaper reporters from Saskatoon, from Edmonton here covering it. It was unique. It was packed. Um, I've never seen that many people at the Allen Cup, and, and, and in fact, a lot of people sat in the beer garden outside, watched the games on the big screen outside in the beer garden rather than go inside. So we were sold out in the arena, probably you're looking at 3,500 to 4,000. Uh, and I don't know how we did that because uh, the fire coats were kind of, <laughs> I think we kind of paid off the, the fire chief that, that weekend. And then you had another 500 uh, sitting in the beer garden. So on a given night, we had 4,000 people here uh, watching an Allen Cup game, and the night that the Border Kings played against Horse Lake didn't end the Border Kings' way. Uh, I've never seen a rink with that kind of that many the number of people, and just the intensity and the atmosphere of that rink. I don't think has ever been matched since. 
Greg Buchanan joining us on Inside Sports. Uh, 11 seasons as the general manager of the Lloydminster Border Kings. You, you guys won the Allen Cup in 2001. Um, so actually, you and I were still working together. You were, you were somehow yep. running, running a hockey team and, and a sports department. <laughs> Thankfully, I was your only employee. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, a little different. <laughs> little different but you guys went east for that well that wasn't it in sarnia i'm curious because you know we said when it, when the tournament's in a rose town or or a lloyd minster or yeah. a stony plain it's a big deal what what was it like going to the sarnia area i mean did it even did it even resonate there not at all not at all uh, it was like a tournament uh played at a beautiful facility in sarnia where the sarnia sting of the ohl play just a great facility um but we played in front of hundreds of people. And uh, I remember probably the second day we were there and, and going to a food court in a mall in Sarnia. And we had all our jackets on. We had the Border Kings coats and uh, had rider sweaters on. And people are going up. So what are you guys here for? Oh, we're here for the Allen Cup. What's an Allen Cup? And so people definitely in Sarnia didn't even have a clue what was going on. And that's unfortunate. Uh, you know, there. I think... A lot of people have where they've gone with Allen Cup since then. Uh, I, I think the communities have really embraced it. So unfortunately, in one we had a lot of fun. We won, and uh, trust me, uh, we found different places to find and and, and I guess have entertainment uh, after we won the Allen Cup. But yeah, uh, <laughs> but we the, the Sarnia itself, uh, unfortunately, the great guys have put it on. Don't get me wrong, but the, they definitely did not get the fan support. In 2007 in Stony Plain, that was, I mean, it's funny, one of the uh, first events I covered was an Allen Cup, and then about a month before I left Lloyd, that was one of the last events I covered. I got to do play-by-play. You were, you were still the, the GM of the Border Kings. You guys hadn't lost a game all year, didn't have a lot of competition in your league, lost the first game at the Allen Cup, and then were able to roll through the final, and you just had some guys step up with performances of their life during that week. But you guys played the host team Stony Plain in the final, and what, isn't there isn't there a bit of an odd story about what happened after that game in terms of, in terms of the reporting of the result? Okay, you, you, you know, apologies to the Edmonton Sun, uh, <laughs> but the Edmonton Sun, I believe they have a deadline, and, and the and the Allen Cup games kind of run like four o'clock and eight thirty. So at eight thirty start, that game is still going on well after ten o'clock. I know the Edmonton Sun was there. They pro, they likely had to get a score to the paper for deadline. At that time, Sony Plain was leading us after 40 minutes. They reported that Sony Plain was going off to the Allen Cup final. We came back in the third period. We won the game, woke up in the morning, read the paper like, hey, we did win last night, didn't we? And uh, yeah, so it's kind of erotic. Uh, and it, it, you know what, gave us a little bit of added motivation uh, in the championship final the next day. Greg Buchanan joining us. We're talking about Allen Cup senior hockey in Canada. And that's kind of where I want to wrap up here, Buck, because I know for me, living in Lloyd, the, the Border Kings were such a big rallying point. You know, it, it got really exciting in that rink when they got down to league and provincial finals. Yeah. And I, I, I've kind of been dismayed that, that there hasn't been a Border Kings team for the last few years. And I think there were only 16 teams across the country that went AAA this season. Nobody in BC. They used to have three or four teams playing down. I mean, thankfully, we got you know some Alberta teams that that still have a league and and that keep it going. But you know, where are we at with the with the with the future here? Because unfortunately, it doesn't seem to be getting stronger. It seems to be getting harder to keep these teams going. You can almost see it happening. You know what? Um, it got harder and harder to compete at the at the senior AAA level, and 
and I say that because of, of the talent level and honestly some teams uh, pay some pretty big money for, for those players and, and it comes so hard to compete and I, I think for the Border Kings that was one of many problems uh, but when you lose a core like we had like we won in 01 like we won in 07 we had a core of local players that really was our was our engine to to everything. It's the reason why we won. And then when that core left, we couldn't replace it. And, and the only way to replace it is by going out and paying players. And and you know back in the day, the, the Horse Lakes came in like we were mentioning them in '05, and their bankroll for that team was phenomenal. Uh, <laughs> there's no way anybody could match that. So I, I, I think, I don't know if it's ever going to get fixed. Uh, it's really sad uh, to have BC not with a team. Powell River was a very good team for a number of years. We enjoyed going out there and playing against them. Great competition, great organization. But once a team kind of takes a step back, it, it, it's harder and harder to get going again. And so the Border Kings have, uh, you know, two-time Allen Cup champion are, have been sitting in the wings for a long time. And I don't think that... It, I'm busy right now with my junior B team here in Lloyd with the Bandits, and I would love to help the Border Kings and get going again, but it's, it's difficult. Um, but for the state of senior AAA hockey in Canada, it's sad. Uh, the Ontario League had a number of teams in it. They're down to just a precious few. Manitoba basically only has one or two teams compete for that. Saskatchewan had two teams compete this year. Bethune's in. Uh, Rosetown is a solid team, but uh, there's still senior hockey. Like There's a lot of senior hockey leagues in Saskatchewan. Uh, there's a few in Alberta, uh, uh, one in, in Manitoba. So senior hockey is still alive and very strong in Saskatchewan, but the AAA level, uh, I can't see it ever getting back to where it used to be. Yeah. Well, Greg, thanks for your perspective. It's always fun to go down memory lane a little bit uh, with you as well, buddy. Glad you're doing well. Let's talk again soon, okay? Thanks, Ray. There he is, my old boss, the guy who hired me. Greg Buchanan, former sports director at CKSA in Lloyd Minster, now the general manager of the Junior B Bandits in Lloyd and longtime general manager of the two-time Allen Cup champion Lloyd Border Kings will update Lacombe at the Allen Cup on this show tomorrow. The Blue Jays have blown it open in the top of the ninth. Josh Donaldson, a grand slam. The Jays score five in the inning. They lead the Orioles 7-1 going to the bottom of the inning. In Montreal, rumors about Canadians captain Max Pacioretty. Trade rumors. He's going into the final year of his contract. Pacioretty says his first choice is to stay in Montreal. And ideally, uh, you know, what I want to be is a Montreal Canadian for life. But uh, we know that uh, things aren't ideal right now. So um, obviously things will change. I'm not sure what. And we'll see what happens. Of course, the Oilers have packed it up. We've heard from the players. We've heard from the coaches. We expect to hear from the GM tomorrow or Wednesday. You can get more on 630Ched.com. Thanks to our guests tonight, Kent Ridley, Gene Principe, Greg Buchanan. Thanks to everybody who texted in. Dustin Kaufman is the studio producer. Dave Campbell is the producer. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you for listening. Talk to you tomorrow. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.